Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Bonnie King, a headstrong mother of two with a sketchy pass, earns her keep by washing windows at traffic lights. Using her razor-sharp wit to charm money from gridlock motorists, she saves every cent to get custody of her kids. After promising her daughter a birthday party, Bunny must fight social services and break the rules to keep her word. The film is called The Justice of Bunny King. Fantastic film. We're joined today by the director, Graysorn Tavat. Graysorn, welcome to Film School Radio. Hello, thank you for having me on. Thank you. It's such a beautifully rendered drama uh, with two incredible performances. It just a, it's a very heartfelt film. So I'm curious where the inspiration for the film came. How did this project come to you? Um, it started back with a, um, a writer called Greg King, who I worked with um, on a short film. Um, and we were keen to do something else. Um, and he had this story that had this character in Bunny King who was actually, she was in a completely different story and the story didn't quite sort of land with me. And I said to him, I just love this character though. She's just fantastic because she was a squeegee bandit working in the intersections. And I said, can we can we take her and put her in something else? And so he agreed. And so we we jammed out an idea of what to what we could put her in. And, and it, we, we just came up with a really quite a simple storyline of it's just a mother trying to get her kids back. It's a really, I mean, it's a really common theme in New Zealand. A lot of uh, mothers have their children removed or put into social services, and usually it's, you know, motivated by poverty. They actually just haven't got the money, the resources, the support to actually look after their own kids, and that's, you know, and it's not their failing. It's, you know, society's failing um, that we, we, you know, that things have become this way, and that's where that's where it originated from. Was was just this, um, for, firstly and foremost, just falling in love with the character, and then finding the right vehicle to put her in. The determination, I can't say she makes all of the right decisions, certainly, but she makes the decisions that are immediate in front of her, the things that she thinks she needs to do. In retrospect, maybe she wouldn't have, but it's uh, it's a character that she doesn't ask to be liked in the film. No, definitely not. And in fact, one of the things that I was constantly saying in the lead up, you know, while we were drafting the script and and making the film is she does all the wrong things, but for the right reasons. There you go. You know, and and her determination, you're absolutely right. She's, you know, she's always making those choices, but it's motivated from her heart or it's motivated sometimes from her trauma. And I think the, and she's written in such a way and it's performed in such a empathetic way by Essie that the audience constantly understands that. You don't write her off, you know, you're always with her um, as an audience member. And so I think that's really a testament to the empathy that Essie brought to that role and how much Essie loved that character as well. And the film makes the case that as much as she may not be making all the right decisions, the system that she's found herself in is forcing, that's the element, that's the immutable force in her story, in her life. She cannot, despite her efforts to cooperate, to do what she should do, she's finding that those are leading her nowhere. They're dead ends. So that's the empathy part where you can see that she is 
at least in her own way, trying to do her her best, but finding no, she's not getting anywhere. Yeah, no, she's not getting anywhere. And and part of what I wanted to do with that character was to kind of rewrite her in a, you know, because there's the stigma that comes, you know, attached to women. And when they're in that situation, I really wanted to reframe that because, you know, you think about how hard it is to get up every single day and it's like, I've got to make my rent. I've got to put food on the table. I've got to raise these kids and you've got nothing to fall back on. And that's actually quite heroic to get up every single day and courageous and to, 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 to do that every single day. And that's where I think there's, there was room in the landscape of films to actually say, that's if, if we're making superhero stories, look at this one. You know, this is happening every day in your neighborhood. There's these women struggling this, you know, to do this and to overcome these massive hurdles. And so, you know, structurally in terms of how we plotted out her character, she actually has a little bit of a superhero arc and that she's constantly jumping through hoops, trying to get ahead, trying to find her way around or save something. So um, that was sort of a, a, a consideration that we had going through was to, to try and change that narrative so she's not a victim. She was sort of self-determining all the way, even if she wasn't making the right, sometimes not the wisest choices. She was she was in charge and she was making her own decisions. I like the idea that she she really was working without a net all the time. Yeah. So again, I come back to this idea that it doesn't take long for me as the audience to be rooting for her and to get what she wants. And it's the moments that she shares when she finally has those times with her children, particularly her daughter who's suffering from something that's happened to her. And we find out a little more about that as this, as the film progresses. And even in the moments with her son who is impatient and it's awkward and uncomfortable for him over the course of the film, we see his arc as well. And I just, in terms of how he perceives his mom, it's not a huge shift, but it's significant in the way that he comes to understand her. Yeah, she's a she's just a, 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 a wonderful character in that regard. There's a lot to, and it's there's so much that Essie Davis brings to this character. Her bearing, the way she carries herself, her the way she speaks to others, her her directness, all of those things really just begin to add up to the superhero that you're talking about. Yeah, she is a little bit. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I, you know, was that was interesting for me was the different masks that bunny had to wear in different situations to be to get what she needed you know you know once you know that having to put on the nice clothes and being told that she had to look better and be you know and all of, all the hoops that she had to jump through um and it's you know essie got i mean you know you put that in sort of an ingredient in front of an actress like essie and she just absolutely pounces on it and gobbles it up and brings it to life um, in such an amazing way but yeah, I think I think Essie just fell in love with that character the same way that I did. She just brought so much empathy to her and and depth, you know, and and the messiness of that character. Yes, you know, she really was able to just embed herself in such a three dimensional way into her. And you're right, it's the way that she walked and moved and talked, you know. And that's one of the great things about Essie Davis as an actress is. She's a chameleon, you know, I'd seen her in things before and I didn't even realize it was the same person. And that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody who wasn't going to be vain or self-conscious. I wanted somebody who would embrace this role, boots and all, and just jump in and, 
you know, we gave, you know, we gave her rosacea and we made her teeth a bit more yellow. And because Essie's an incredibly beautiful person looking woman, you know, and it's like we have to make her not glamorous. She's, you know, this character's lived a tough life. It had to be believable. And so, you know, Essie wasn't afraid to go there. Well, even at the beginning of the film, she's washing windows. She's got her squeegee, her which is which be, becomes kind of a, a sword, kind of a thing for her to wield, if you will. Yeah. She can be wielded for good, and it can be <laughs> wielded <laughs> for evil. And uh, she, you know, so it becomes. And and if you see that, and by the way, for our listeners, if you see the the poster for uh, the film. Uh, the the justice of Bunny King. You'll see what I'm talking about. Even in the in the poster, it feels like you were playing into that a bit. There's also another half of these two wonderful actors, and that would be Thomasin McKenzie. Who, um, for those of you who aren't aware of her work, I feel sorry for you. First of all, but secondly, um, it's been in such films as Leave No Trace, Jojo Rabbit, Last Night in Soho, and and she is the first time I saw her was in Leave No Trace. And I was completely drawn to her. She has got this remarkable face and her and the way that she the way that she says her lines, the way she she's just a seems like a natural actor to me. I, I'm sure it's, there's more to it than what I'm what I'm saying, but she just comes across as her performances and everything I've seen her in is very natural to me. Yeah, I was just saying to somebody before, you know, watching her is she's like a pond, you know, she's got this incredible stillness, so yeah. which allows you to see into what's happening within her internally in her internal life. And then what's happening below the surface is just this incredible life that's rippling away and all this emotion that you can just see sitting there behind the surface. But she's got this incredible ability to allow the audience into her. Yes. Um, so accessible and so um, watchable in that regard. Um, but then also, you know, when she, and it's not just, it's not just that, it's also her, the, you know, the intelligence of the choices that she makes and the emotional um, context that she accesses for the characters. Um, you know, she sort of is able to go in there in a really human and instinctive way without, I don't know, that just makes it so natural. It doesn't feel forced. She's just able to access that and, um, yeah. and, and almost just dial it up it's incredible I, I don't know how she does it <laughs> you yeah know, she knows she knows what's the, i mean what was incredible actually about working with the two of them is you know when you see actors on set and they have their scripts and when they're there's notes all over them and there's little sticky notes and little reminders to themselves and you can see how well an actor's prepared by looking if you sneak a look at their script and it's like what how many notes they've got on it <laughs> Well, what you know, were your what were your notes to them? Was there a, 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 any kind of particular tone or kind of a relationship as it as it evolves? What were you looking for in that? Well, really, I mean, it was about making sure that they were prepared. I mean, we I didn't have a lot of time with Thomason. I had a bit of time with Essie, and that was spent in pre production, um, just helping find that character and the physicality and just the character development for her in terms of makeup and hair and what she was wearing and finding that the physicality of her role and, and then also visiting some of the places where you know bunny would live um so we went and did that with thomas and i you know i didn't have a lot of prep time but i sent her some films that i wanted to watch and some stuff to read um and just making sure that they understood who these characters were and, and what their backstories were but then also just you know, finding who they were physically, like we gave Thomason hair extensions, 
mm-hmm. um, the wardrobe. Uh, we 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 covered her up, you know, with a girl of that self-conscious girl of that age. She didn't want, you know, she wanted to hide her body rather than draw attention to it because of the circumstances. So there was just those kind of physical, you know, subtle physicalities that we sort of talked about, you know, for her and then you know for Bunny. She, you know, she's a street fighter, you know, she's a she's a battler. So you know that squeegee thing that you identified earlier—that's part of her armor in a way. So, uh, and once we have those, and once there's an understanding of the script which we'd worked on together, you know, I did a pass with Essie. Once she really fully committed to the role, she was like in it. She was like, no, Barney wouldn't say this. She'd say this. So we did pass um, for that. Once we were up and rolling and on set, it was really just about creating the space so that they could do their work. They could be, you know, who they were and let it fly rather than trying to constrain it too much or over direct it. It was about being responsive to them in the moment rather than putting a heavy footprint all over it. It's really about the performances and the characters. And it's it feels that way on screen. Um, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Grace Horton Tavat. She is the director of this wonderful film called The Justice of Bunny King. It is available. It's available now. That the other thing about it is you got uh, the the secondary characters are memorable. Are they they really kind of draw the 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 outline of what they're there to do in the film in very distinctive ways. I thought those characters, the other actors involved in the film, just did a, a wonderful job of finding their spot and pretty quickly in, in service to the story. Um, yeah. Congratulations on that, because that's not an easy thing to do. Yes. Um, um, sometimes when you, you know, because often those actors only come in for a day. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard for them because, you know, everybody's up and running and have found, found their groove. Um, and in some ways for them, it's like, you know, running and jumping onto a moving train, you've got to suddenly find your character and find the, you know, the rhythm of the, the scene and the rhythm of the set and how everybody's working. So, you know, we, we had, we were very, very lucky to have fantastic actors right across the board in that regard. Now, this is your first feature film, yeah. uh, is that correct? You've been doing a lot of work around cameras. What, what was... What was this transition? Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. You were going to say. Oh, no, I've been in the film industry, you know, basically it's all I've ever done. I started off as a camera assistant, so I, yeah, I started off loading film, 16mm film, then onto 35mm film, and then I became a first AC. And then I became a um, commercials director. I directed commercials for, yeah, quite a few years, um, and then decided to try and cut my teeth okay. making long-form drama. Okay. Yeah. Well, one of your early films was Whale Rider, one of the great films. So that transition now to a feature length film, this is something you feel you've, this is where you want to, this is where you want to be for a while. Is that, is that how you feel? Yeah, I think film or drama, you know, long form drama, um, television series. Um, Once you've sort of dipped your toe in and got a taste for it, you can't really go back. But it's finding, you know, it's finding the right projects to Um, invest all your you know energy and love into is is the thing congratulations it's uh it's a heartfelt beautifully acted it's a story that is in many ways relatable for people who have been on the edge of where bunny finds herself looking over that precipice and the determination in her character to be with her children to be there no matter what no matter what it takes um it's a 
terrific performances and it's just a, a wonderful story. So congratulations to you on that. Thank you. We've been speaking with the director of this wonderful film, as I said, The Justice of Bunny King. You are part of the co-screenwriter on the film as well. I don't think I give you right. Do I have that right? Uh, sto uh, story. story. Okay. Yeah. Co-story writer on the film. And uh, my congratulations to Grace Orn Tavat. Thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to more work. Hope you come back and join us again. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.